Let's take a little trip through some western contours. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Welcome to episode number 48. This is Jim Huntsman, your host of the Western Huntsman podcast, coming at you from the Broken Time studio in Hayden, Idaho. Thank you so much for tuning in. Glad you guys are here. Uh, glad you guys are, are hanging in there. Here we are into uh, December of 2020, and uh, we are just rolling right along. I got a freaking awesome conversation lined up for you guys today with uh, with a guy that I... Uh, despite my best efforts, I'm having a really tough time pronouncing his last name. I even texted him and I'm like, Hey, how do you pronounce your last name? You know, thinking he'd send me this video file or I'm not a video, an audio file, how, how he says it. And he did, but it didn't come through very good. And so I, I was still having a hard time hearing it. And then it disappeared. I think that that when you send it through an iPhone or something, it's like temporary because then it took it away, but I'm going to give it hell and I'm going to really try to pronounce his last name. So check it out. Here we go. His name is Guy Dupontier. All right. I think it's French, and I think I pronounced it as close to accurate as I possibly can. Uh, so, Guy, I need you to text me and let me know if this even came through right, because that is a tough last name, brother. If, if it weren't for your difficult last name to pronounce, you'd be the perfect guest on this show. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Uh, this conversation, we're going to get right into it, actually, because it was a long conversation, and I think you guys are really going to like it. Guy has his own con- uh, podcast called Western Contours, and you can find it anywhere podcasts can be found, and it's worth checking out. Uh, follow him on Instagram. Check him out on Facebook. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Guy. Uh, just, a, as a heads up, we, I think that it, we, it was kind of storming at my place when we recorded. So some of the audio is a little bit messed up, but it's, it's definitely not the worst audio I've ever heard. Uh, but it's certainly not the best audio. So bear with me on that, but it's, it's a great conversation. We, we hit on all sorts of topics from talking smack about skinny jeans to hunting in California to, uh, well, you're just going to have to wait and listen. So um, just a quick announcement I wanted to throw out there before we get into it with Guy is uh, I'm pretty excited and I'm, 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 I'm very honored to have been selected for the uh, initial ascent, basically the, the traveling pack. And this traveling pack is, is this thing that they do where they're sending around one of their 4K packs and uh, for for a month, basically, to a new hunter. And, and the hunter gets to keep it for like a, you know, a month or whatever, for whatever hunt they're going on and take it out. And you got to write your name in it and document your trip and like keep this journal thing and take pictures and all this cool stuff. The Brotherhood of the Traveling Pack with Initial Ascent. So I've got it for December 2020, and I feel like it put a lot of pressure on me for my late season archery hunt I got coming up here uh, next week. But at the same time, 
I, I'm I'm thrilled that they they chose me, and I'm looking forward to to hopefully uh, you know representing the pack well. I'm really excited to try this pack out. It's a pack I've been I've been, hell I've been talking about it for a long time, and it's a great pack, and so. Uh, I'm super excited to do this. So shout out to my guys, my my friends over at Initial Ascent, and uh, this is this is going to be a, a heck of an adventure. It's gonna it's gonna be going on um, a, an archery elk hunt, and it is going to be going on a wolf hunt during the month of September. And then I'm going to be sending it on to the next brother in the line of the Brotherhood of the Traveling Pan or Pack. I almost said pants because I was thinking you guys seen the show. Your wives may have wa- made you watch it, or maybe. You made your husband watch it, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Well, it's kind of a similar concept, and so it's a really cool idea. And I'm just, I'm just cool, you know, super excited to be a part of it. And I appreciate those guys over at Initial Ascent. So that said, also, um, the oh, that's right. I was just going to answer the trivia question from last week. Was whose name did I mispronounce? And those of you that wrote in, Stephen Ranella, you got it right. I mispronounced his name in last week's episode. If you're listening to this, Steve, dude, I apologize. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but I caught it. I caught it, and I fessed up before you even heard it. So we're all good, all good in the hood. That's how we. Uh, that's how we roll. All right, guys, let's get into it with Guy. He is uh, somebody that you guys. It, it's worth you guys checking this uh, him out and his show out. Uh, just a just a stellar dude. Um, I really enjoyed it. We're gonna. I'm gonna have him back on, and hopefully he'll have me back on. Uh, but I feel like we are, you know, have the ability to make it sound like we are just solving all sorts of the world's problems in it. And I always like conversations like that. They're just like, you know, deep and philosophical. And we, we joke around a lot and there, there's a lot of laughs in this episode. And uh, he was just a lot of, a lot of fun to get on. So without further ado, guys, let's get after it with Guy Dupont to do, wait a minute, try it again, Duplantier at Western Contour. Here we go. I'm Are you going to kick this off? I, you know... Hey, we're already recording, buddy. <laughs> so I okay. figured that'd be pretty funny. How did two podcasters uh, plan on, well, I guess, what is it about? A co-cod podcast? Dual podcast? I don't know. A how dual it. podcast? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's telling me I need permission from you to record, though. Okay, so you're going to record on Zoom? Uh, it's not asking me. Either way, I, I mean. <laughs> we're yeah, not, pod. This is. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll send you the file if, uh, cause it's not asking me anything. Okay. Uh, record. Yeah. I could just say, I'll send you the file. Perfect. I that'll think work. That'll, that'll ease some of our pain. Probably turn out <laughs> a little better than that way. <laughs> yeah. I think the zoom, I mean, zoom is great to, as a medium, but I, I prefer to run this thing into audition and do what I do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I exactly. And, and zoom, zoom has been great for me, but I noticed like with this squad cast thing, I can, it gives you two separate MP3 files and I load them in audacity and it lines them up perfectly. And so if like my guest is quiet, I can adjust their level without messing right. with mine. And it, just, it turned, there's like less cutting out and all that kind of stuff. So it's been great other than it doesn't work with iOS stuff yet. 
Yeah. So hopefully they're going to, yeah, they're going to change that. I, that's the message that they kept sending me. And like I told you, everything I have is Apple based. So, but that's the reason yeah. I use audition. The same reason you use audacity is so you can have those, those dual tracks. Yeah. Yeah, lens exactly. For, lens yeah, for I a don't... better sounding for podcast. Sure. So I guess I'll kick it off on my end, man. I'm on with okay. uh, Jim Huntsman. <laughs> Western Huntsman podcast. Yeah, what's buddy. up, brother? <laughs> Good to be here, man. I'm actually I, I'm really excited about this one. This is going to be cool, and uh, why I it's 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 always fun when we're I'm talking to like an, somebody who's doing what I'm doing, uh, another hunting podcaster guy after my own heart right there, and and uh, the guy I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Same. And, you know, that that's uh, echoes from my end, man. Um, it'll be cool. You know, it's it's this is going to we better preface it, man. This is uh, there's no script. There's no bullets. There's no anything. We're like, I just get on and <laughs> shoot the mess about podcasting and hunting and see where it goes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I have no plans. I have no plans on this. I am just here and we're going to I imagine Two guys that like to get behind a microphone and gab, we, we'll, we'll never run out of stuff to talk about. So I think we're in good yeah, shape. It, uh, it could get scary. <laughs> it could get scary. We might put, some people yeah. might crash their vehicles, man, listening, driving. You know? <laughs> Make sure you hold over before you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we apologize right. if we either drag on or put you to sleep, one or the other. So, guy, what like where are you at? I know you're in California, but I I actually don't know where you're at in California. So I am just outside of L.A. Uh, I'm uh, I border Orange County, just north of Long Beach, in a little uh, blue collar town of Lakewood. Oh, cool, cool. How long have you been there? My entire life, but oh wow, so, yeah, and that, that make sure. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's yeah. no, that's that's okay. I think we got a little bit of a delay, but we'll we'll work with it here. I just I I've been curious about this with you uh, for a long time because um, I've kind of ragged on California a few times on my show, and, and <laughs> I it's, on California. it's it's <laughs> I know you do. I've heard you, <laughs> and so I I've I've been curious. Like, what is it like? being a Californian and a hunter and, and like kind of walk us, what is, what does that look like? You know, it, it really depends on your level of giving a shit. You know what I mean? I don't know how you are about language. Um, I've heard you go a couple times, but I got to watch my mouth sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it really depends on, you know, how much you give a crap about that opinion. Um, you know, and I will and I will say that talking to the amount of people that I talk to uh, via the podcast and social and things like that is, I think, the portrayal of California, uh, even from some of the other, you know, we'll call it blue states or liberal states. Uh, the portrayal is of this madhouse of, you know libertarianism um and and you can't even breathe and that's really not the case um it is it is phenomenal to realize that you can hunt within 20 minutes of you know downtown los angeles and and people don't uh people don't get it um but all in all you are you know it's you could be in a room of 10 people and you would never know 
that nine of those other people are hunters. Uh, there's not a people that, uh, you know, like to have the conversation or announce it um, because of the the mindset. And it's not so much anti hunting as it is uh, not understanding that the opportunity is in front of them or being exposed to it. Uh, if you look at the L.A. Basin, I mean, it is I'm going to call it. 85 to 90 percent urban um mm-hmm. you know folks will be in the mountains here and not even realize that there's deer so you know outside of that man you know again do you really care about that opinion i mean the the, the biggest thing for me is making sure that i share it in a light that isn't a detriment to our demographic um but besides that man you know you, you got to care about that opinion before you you know what i mean yeah for sure that's it's interesting how you said that like the the, the maybe maybe the perceptions of of people that don't live in California are a little off base because like guys like me sometimes we we sit we sit here thinking that man what is it when you when you're living in California hunting aside <laughs> do you have to like be careful when you go to the grocery store about what gender you call somebody and and like what what law no. you might break and and stuff like that you know what I mean it it just it seems right. like that I think the media has a lot to do with that the the you know it's funny because you know with this this last week and a half right i mean it's 2020 it's covid right the year of uh the year of rhetoric i like to call it at this point yeah um you know i had people go oh god you guys are on lockdown again and i'm like well that's news to me buddy because i'm in you know probably the worst county with all of that and uh i haven't uh haven't felt any recent lockdown so it's really it's really odd the portrayal um as far as the other part of your inquiry there, uh, <laughs> I got to wonder when I go to the store sometimes, <laughs> you look around, you go, oh, man, hey, dude, uh, you're going to you might have, you know, get a yeast infection or something. The jeans are a little bit tight, buddy. So, uh, you know, <laughs> infection even. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's a perception it's a thing, one, man. man. I, I, it is. It, it is because I, I have a I have a friend that I grew up with that moved to West Hollywood and uh, he oh. is he's so extreme oh. left. Like we don't even, we are, our, our radars wouldn't even connect in outer space. Like he's just super Uber liberal kind of dude. Right. That, uh, and so I, I think that's part of my perception too. And it, it's, it kind of, some of that saddens me too, because California would be a kick ass hunting state. Like there is some good hunting in California and I think people oh, dude, we're miss the mark way on it. underrated. Yeah. Yeah. We're way, way underrated, man. The opportunity, think about it. Right. And I say it all the time. This is the only place in the world where you can come hunt a, a Thule elk. Yeah. Um, you know, we have phenomenal uh, mule deer populations, um, and, and great, I mean, great class of bucks. Um, you know, if you look at our A zone is a over the counter, uh, tag that, that starts in, you know, usually in July and runs all the way through October, you start off in archery, you can go into rifle on one tag. You're not having to pick a weapon. So if you fail on archery, you could, you know, take your rifle out and hunt with your rifle. And it's, hmm. man, it's close to a third of the balance of the state. I mean, you're talking from the five freeway 
all the way to the coast from basically the L.A. County Ventura line, plus or minus, all the way up just shy of the Bay Area. I mean, this is a huge That's, zone. Yeah, that is a huge zone. Ample opportunity, you know, huge opportunity in it, man. Is there, um, is there so, non-resident tags available for that over the counter? Oh, yeah. It's over, it's over the counter. I wonder what, over the counter. I, what I mean, that look would at cost. the pig. I it's it's fairly inexpensive for that for that tag and a non-resident. I want to say that it's and and please don't you know people don't crucify me if I'm wrong. It's less than four hundred dollars or right in that zone. Gotcha. Um, I'm gonna look into but that. If man. You can hunt. Yeah, if you can hunt from you know starting in July, it's miserable, right? Because well, if you're coastal, it's not as bad, right? You're looking at seventies to maybe nineties. Um, the area I hunt, you're you know we're over a hundred. 110 115 degrees um out there you know that it's an eight-week archery season wow so you're out there you know melting away um but it, it, all those perceptions aren't wrong I, i'll give you that right because it it is there is a level of lack of a better word extremist when it comes to the liberal mindset mm-hmm. and i don't know that most folks realize how heavily influenced they've been. Um, but I have seen in the last year, I have seen quite a bit of turn um, to a conservative mindset, you know, like what are they really doing now? And, and it's starting to become more and more prevalent, which is nice for a, you know, yeah. non-liberal guy. <laughs> well, and, and, and like for me, I'm not, I, I, I could care less about Republican versus Democrat. I, I really could care less about that. What I care about is when it's like this fanatical extreme version of liberalism and, and because they're so in your face with everything and uh, you, you know what I mean? And so, but I, I want to look into that tag you were talking about, uh, because that I could like, it, it, it probably be fair to say that I could leave the wife and kids in a hotel near Disneyland and let them have a ball on and I can go hunt, right? Yeah, well, okay, so you could, but it's going to be a little bit of a drive, right? So Disneyland is is just outside of LA, which is Southern California. So you're looking at a, probably a two-hour drive from Disneyland to get into A-Zone. Um, it's not a bad drive. Okay. Um, well, I'll just leave but, them in a hotel know, and go camp on the road somewhere. Yeah. And the plus is so, you know, you come down here with that tag and a lot of that zone, uh, there's opportunity for pig as well. So you get, you know, you kill two birds with one zone, grab that pig tag because who doesn't want to hunt, you know, pig. That'd be, that'd um, be fun. Yeah. Little, a little difficult in a lot of the public land areas. Um, but I've seen better numbers in the last year than I've seen in probably five or six years. What are the crowds um, like? What, what's the hunting pressure look like? You know, it really depends on where you go, man. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like to go to my little inland spot um, because of the heat uh, keeps everybody at bay until rifle season. So, you know, we'll be out every weekend. It's a weekend hunt thing for us for that. I spend my spend my time, you know, uh, for elk as far as like, you know, taking off of work and whatnot. So we'll be out mm-hmm. every weekend and we may run into three or four different hunters this year. We didn't see anyone else last year. I want to say we saw two guys in that area that we're in um 
and most people don't come back. 115 degrees. It's 100 degrees in the morning at 9 a.m. It's it sucks. <laughs> Man, uh, I'll bet taking care of your meat's a little interesting in that that kind of situation. <laughs> it's it's a run. I mean, it's an absolute. It's a run. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, if that animal's down, you are you're boogieing, and uh, it it. Yeah, it's, scary. it's a little difficult, you know, there's ways to deal with it. But, you know, the, if the, you got a little bit of shade, but it's pretty, pretty sparse country. Well, everywhere you hunt has its own unique challenge in, in one way or the other, whether it's the, the climate or distance or, you know, terrain, whatever. The, so it's just take what you take, you know. Yep. Yep. Cool. It, uh, I haven't lost one yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, you shoot it and it's literally, you know, get it back to the vehicle, get it on ice. And for me, you know, it's a done hunt, right? We're just out of there. Huh. So you're booking it. But yeah, it's a, it's man, a phenomenal opportunity. I love I, that tag has beat my butt the last three years because I'm chasing a single buck and it's so wide open country that man, it's difficult to get on them and um, they go bed on private and yeah. But it's a it's a fun hunt, man. It, it it will test every bit of your mental. I I just think it'd be cool to be like, yeah, I've uh, I've hunted California. <laughs> as long so. as you as long as you don't come in the tight pants and lose your uh, your Idaho credibility, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't wear any skinny jeans or anything like that. <laughs> You'd fit in just fine, man. <laughs> Not sure I'd want to be around you, but. <laughs> so you you spend a lot of time traveling out of out of California to hunt too, huh? Yeah, this last you know last couple of years, man. Um, with you know my daughter graduated college and my boys, you know, in college now. Um, so it's afforded me the time that I didn't have previously. Right, they both were athletes, and. I wasn't willing to sacrifice those moments for my, the pursuit of my passion. Uh, of course, I'm more passionate about my children. Um, so it was, you know, weekend hunts. If I could get a week, I get a week. And once, uh, once my boy said, yeah, I'm not going to play football anymore. I looked at the wife and I'm like, okay, this is what I, this is what I said when he's done, it's on. So nice. man, I just been the last three years. I've just been going this year was probably the longest I've had. Um, absolutely the longest I've had concurrently. And I, you know, it's just going to escalate from there. Just the wife and I, man, it's, uh, it's something else. It's, it's a lovely thing. <laughs> Love it my kids. Really death, is, it really is, man. It, oh, brother. <laughs> it's, it's that, you know, it's one of those things like the, as hard, as hard as it can be sometimes to like get older and start accepting how old you're getting kind of thing, you know, which is what I've been going through lately. And, but, but the benefits to that are, you know, I find myself and my kids are still at home, but they're not little babies anymore. You know, and so I've I've got quite the range of of all, all four of my daughters uh, age wise, and so it's it's cool because I now um I have a lot more time. I have a lot more of the 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 financial side where I can I can spend more time in the woods and I could get tags that I wasn't able to get when I was younger. Uh, I don't have a $400 diaper bill every month. Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And so there's, there's definitely perks to it. Heck yeah. What, uh, what ages are your girls? I've got nine, 11, 19 and 22. Woo. Yeah. So yeah, that was a quite a gap there. Back, <laughs> not back to back, but you know, close, close enough to be back to back a gap. And then, and then back at it. Yeah. They, uh, 
any of them in the woods with you? Yeah, my uh, my nine and eleven year old, um, they are they're way into it. My nineteen year old was, uh, she she was actually with me last year when I whacked that bull, and that was the first experience she'd ever had, and it was cool because I took the ivories and I I had this really cool necklace made out of the ivories and and gave it to her for Christmas last year, and it she opened it and started crying, so it was like one of the best present uh, reactions I've ever seen out of any of my kids. And, and so that, that was cool. That was way cool. And, uh, but, but my girls, my younger two, uh, which, which I call them my younger. So my, my older two, I, uh, are, are basically out of the house. Um, and, and I adopted them. And so they are now spreading their wings and making their way into the world. And they're not on the payroll anymore. So <laughs> yeah, right. That never stops. <laughs> it's, it's been that good for like, stops. like six months or so. It's been pretty good. I haven't, I haven't had to fork yeah. out any money. I, I I'm with you though. I don't think that's going to last. So it doesn't, uh, my, it doesn't last. Yeah. Yeah. So, my, but my younger two, they got to, they got to experience their first hunt. Uh, well, I say first hunt, first successful hunt. They actually got to see a deer go down uh, about a week ago and that that was super special for me uh, because they've been with me for they they helped me track an elk this last September for like three and a half miles and in some nasty country too and and they hung in there and I just I never wanted to be one of those parents that like forces the hunting on them uh, but if if they're interested uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna exploit their interest and I'm gonna I'm gonna take them so they they've uh, they've been really really good so far. You, did you notice anything as your as your older girls got older? Um, I, I'm always really curious, right, with the way that we're connected now. Um, and I've I've talked to a couple people where, you know, their kids have been around hunting, you know, their entire life. And as they got older, because of that connection to the outside world, they didn't necessarily have a problem with it uh, to say that they were against it, but had some opinions of it that were kind of surprising to me uh, being raised in a hunting family. You know, I. I don't really, I haven't noticed it if there has, I think that for them, um, it's just always been a part of our life. You know, we've always, we've always had deer meat. We, you know, dad's always bringing home a, uh, you know, wild game and making a bloody mess in the shop and, uh, you know, whatever. And so it's just always been like a part of their life for all four of them. Um, and I, so my oldest, she's dating like this vegan dude. And, and I think that I, I, I'm sure that that has created some issues, uh, because, you know, obviously I, you know, I, I'm so into hunting. I do a podcast about it, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, talk about it every day. <laughs> and so that's been an interesting dynamic. And so he's one of those, he's one of those dudes. He's, he's like, we had a pizza with pepperoni on it and he's, taking a paper towel and dabbing the the pepperoni juices off the top of the pizza because he doesn't want to have any kind of meat kind of thing and that was super odd in my house you know what i mean right that was super odd but whatever um that 
that would be a really interesting conversation. But I'm going to jab at you because you, you know, you have an opinion of California, but but here you are supporting a vegan with slices of pizza, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you got <laughs> Sounds a like you've already got this. You, you already got the Birkenstocks and yeah, skinny jeans going you, up oh, there. Oh, <laughs> man, you're not kidding. It's it's uh, it's a. It, it, it's kind of a fruity situation. I, I don't, I don't really know how to act around uh, them at, at this point. And so I just try to, you know, tread lightly or whatever, but uh, it is what it is. I, <laughs> you're, there is a higher um, number of that age group, that, that kind of generation where they're, they're into that shit, man. Right. And so uh, what I'm trying to do is with my younger two, I, I don't want them to be, you know, heavily exposed to that kind of stuff. I want them to, the, I want them to see the the circle of life in the woods and, and how, how this meat ends up in our freezer. And if, if they want to pursue it, then I'm going to, I'm going to exploit that and make sure they pursue it with us. But I'm not, I don't want to force it either because I don't want them to hate right. me for it, you know, because yeah. my younger two, they're way into animals. They love animals all all animals are cute and want to, they want to have every freaking pet you can think of. And it's mm-hmm. it just, so I was kind of concerned that they'd feel bad for the animal, but they, no, they were like, they were like ready to go again. They're like, okay, well, let's go get another deer. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. So, and, and, and a lot of that, you know, cause I, and I think most hunters are enamored with most animals, right? I, I, um, I agree. I, I am a, I am a huge animal lover. Right. And I think that that that's the that's the dilemma in most people's heads. Right. Is how can you do that? You know, if you love an animal, how can you do that? And it's it that circle of life exposure that you're talking about. I I would love to hear you talk to the boyfriend on an episode and just just some, you know, friendly banter back and forth and and allow people to understand that have that perspective. So my wife walks in the other day, she goes, you'd have been proud of me. And I said, well, what's up? She goes, well, um, I had a conversation with, uh, with her assistant, uh, acting assistant, and he's a vegan Birkenstocks, the whole nine. Oh, wow. Um, what, what is this and, Birkenstocks uh, you keep saying? Oh, dude, just, t- just Google it. You'll, you'll laugh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to pull the that up right now. They're the preferred sandal in my opinion. <laughs> it's it's really horrible. It's really horrible generalization of my uh, on my part, man. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, I just pulled it up. Oh man, yeah, you wouldn't. You get your you get your ass whooped wearing that around here. <laughs> you wouldn't wear, you wouldn't wear those in camp buddy no. <laughs> uh, so uh so yeah so she you know she talks to him and explains the process to him um and and his thing was factory farming right that's that's what he was opposed to and it's funny you know talking to her and listening to his perspective through her somehow the factory farming is tied into all meat. Yeah. Right. I know it, it, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, free range or, you know, we're out hunting, it's tied into it. So I was pretty proud. Well, I wasn't pretty proud. I was very proud of her for, for having that conversation as a non hunter, having that conversation to a vegan non hunter that has no clue. Um, but I think, yeah, again, man, going back to it, you should have, you should have that conversation I, and see I'm, where that goes. I'm Just certainly, I'm certainly not opposed to that. And I think it'd be a tall order to try to get 
him on in particular, but I, I, I've actually put it out there that if there are people that are anti-hunting and vegans, because the, the, one of the foundational bases of my show was to, you know, put up more of an aggressive fight against this anti-hunting movement that, that comes out and, and tries to dictate to us what we can and can't do in our life. And so that that's been part of the part of the process for me, but, um, I would definitely have that conversation and you're right. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head where they, they have this tendency to rope all, um, meat eater type people into this factory farm. That's like their go-to thing, right? Is they always, they always fall back on this, this factory farm thing. And it's like, you know, I, I, I could promise you right now, my friend, I don't farm anything. And, and well, that's going to change. I'm going to, I'm getting chickens in like two months. So I got to, Oh, you'll love them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had them before and, and, uh, it's, it, my wife's cracking the whip for me to finish the chicken coop. Um, I've been hesitant though, man, I got a lot of Yodis around here. And so I'm, yeah, it's, and, and there's some work. They are some work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I, I feel like I need to clear out some uh, coyotes first and cause it's going to be chitty, chitty, bang, bang. If, if I let them get in there, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. the point being like, you know, factory farming is, is like this big uh, bowl of soup that they put all hunters into. And, and it, it's not, it, it's such a different world. It's not even comparable. And so they don't understand not to sound, you know, mean or anything, but they don't sound how stupid they, they, they don't know how stupid they sound, I guess, when they, right. when they, well, that comparison. Yeah. And it's really hard. It's really hard to not sound mean when you, I've asked people too. And, and if your experience has been like mine, trying to get, uh, trying to get somebody that's anti or vegan or something like that on to actually discuss it, it most times it's like no response. Yeah. You know, I'll get those people on Instagram, um, you know, you SOB or how could you do this? How could you do that? And I'll ask like, Hey, let's, let's jump on. This is what I, you know, what I do and let's have a conversation about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and not, man, they will not respond. I know. No, I've, I've, I've invited a few of them on the show and I don't even get responses. And so <laughs> it's, and it's, it's because I feel like deep down, they know that there's really no argument that holds water against our lifestyle. We have the longevity. They're the ones that are new to, uh, to, to the, the world of anti-hunting, that the anti-hunting movement and veganism and all that, that is what is new to the world, not hunting. And, and we have the facts we have, and, and these are not emotion based facts. These are, these are actual, true, legitimate, uh, facts that, you know, it's, it's evidence that can be verified. And so it's, they have a hard time arguing, uh, without just roping it all into some emotional thing about factory farming and how evil it is. Okay. So I'm going to, I'll play devil's advocate, right? Cause we kind of do the same thing when we talk about freezer full. And I just want to point that out when, you know, when folks are saying, well, it's meat in the freezer. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge part of it, but it's not the only thing. And, and as hunters to explain this to these people and to maybe not get them roped into our side, but to give them a better understanding, we got to stop with that weak argument and give the entire scope, if you will, right. What really gets it, mm -hmm. um, why why we're out there and the values and that's one of the things that i that i harp on man and 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 you know with your podcast that's you 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 have your way of fighting mine was to expose not just to 
anti-hunters or people that don't get it, but to even the hunting demographic expose more than just, you know, air quote, the grip and grin, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the valuable side of hunting, the values. If you look at hunters, our demographic and the, yes, there's anomalies and I'm, I'm, I'm broad stroking here, but our demographic with that involvement in, in what the circle of life, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. The values that that creates and the struggles and everything that, that are created and held so high on the mountain, our value system, in my opinion, man, is second to none. Look around in any outdoor activity and you tell me where you can see the value system that is in the hunting demographic. And I will argue until I'm blue in the face. Now you're, it doesn't you're exist exactly anywhere right. else. Now you're exactly right. There is a hunting ethic that that is only alive and well amongst the hunting community, and and they they like to try to paint us in this light of a bunch of rednecks out there, you know, throwing Miller Lite cans on the side of the road as as we road hunt, and just because because we hate the animals so bad, we just want to shoot them and and take these pictures and. And uh, that that's the end of it. What they don't understand is this is not like we're collecting bottle caps for a collection as a hobby. This is our lifestyle. We plan for these hunts. Our souls are fulfilled by every moment we take out into the woods. We cherish these animals. We know a lot about these animals. We we do things that they could never even fathom. And And why it's right is because that is the history of humans. We We've been doing this for generations. And, and eons. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's, it's so much more broad, like you said, than just filling the freezer. The filling the freezer part is only a nice perk when it's done. And by the way, the meat that I put in my freezer is a lot more healthy than that factory farm meat that those guys complain about. And I, I, I acknowledge that and I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't argue that, that point with them, but I will argue the fact that when I, as, and this is applied to whether you're a man or a woman, but I, and I always give this, uh, you know, the, the caveat that I'm a man. So I only speak from a man's perspective. I don't know what it is from a woman's perspective. Right. And so as a man, this is, this is what fulfills me. This is what my heart longs for all year. And there is no better way to connect with nature and the woods and these animals than as a hunter, because I guarantee you some bird watcher, vegan type does not understand (laughs) mother nature like we do. No, they're there. You know, I say no. So, so rapidly there. Um, but until you are involved in that circle of life, until you have, you know, that grit and that blood underneath your fingernails, mm-hmm. um, it's it's all it's all so fuzzy, so touchy feely. Right. It, it's sunshine and rainbows. Go ask, you know, aunties or those folks, you know, I mean, if you, and you hear it all the time. Right. If you ask a vegan um, about how much is killed in, in the production of, you know, their their veggies, Um you know, they they don't have an argument, um, but look at the respect that you have for the meat that you harvest from that animal you killed versus the, the meat that we waste when it's bought from the store. Right. I, I won't let a piece of meat go to waste, man. It, yeah. I feel horrible. You know what I mean? I, I had a steak in the freezer or excuse me, in the fridge. It was cooked. Forgot it was in a Ziploc, you know, had it for my lunch. And man, I. Sh- 
I put it in the microwave and I, I probably shouldn't have ate it. My stomach was messed up for about three or four days, <laughs> but it's like, I can't, you know what I mean? There's something about, there's something about the level of respect you have for that meat versus the cellophane foam wrap when you go to the store. And, and you don't even know where half of that comes from. I know right? Right? everything is labeled like crazy. I, there's this uh, series, my wife, it's a documentary series on Netflix called rotten. And what they do is they kind of expose industry basically. Right. Um, there's, there was one on garlic and then there was one on avocados. Oh, really? Um, That'd be interesting. It, it it's it really really it's actually a really I'm not a TV dude right but this is it's very interesting and you look at um, the garlic one I would suggest watching because you see how manipulated everything is to get this stuff in the store and what they're saying it is really isn't uh, is it's unbelievable huh. um, so you really don't know what you're getting I, I'll tell you this don't ever buy garlic unless it is a hundred percent produced in the United States. Okay. Uh, you absolutely do not want what I saw Man, <laughs> being done with this is, garlic. Dude. It's always dangerous just <laughs> opening up these uh those kind of windows for me because I'm I'm a naturally suspicious dude. <laughs> you, so. you, well this this series it, it I, I give it to the, the folks that came up with it because I would have never thought some of the stuff that they're covering was even a thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're talking about the war. You know, we talk about like Mexico and south of the border and the cartels and we're thinking drugs. Dude, it's that way in the avocado realm. Really? Um, because of. Yeah, because it's such a high dollar uh, produce at, at one time. It was the number one cash crop of California. <laughs> When Mexico got involved and, we, and was able to import, it just went crazy. That's nuts, um, dude. It's it's insane. Like, I mean, like you, you know, said, it's legit cartels. You think of that, like, can you imagine? Because I've always been a little intrigued with uh, Mexican drug cartels. Uh, well, any any Colombian drug cartels, whatever. And and so, like, uh, that'd be an interesting one, like the avocado. Uh, drug cartel trip. leader or, or avocado <laughs> cartel leader that, you know, they probably have some dangerous name and they're like, you know, did our, did our guacamole make it to the destination? <laughs> what? Hey, How does dude, that- no, Le- legit, legitimately like, you know, you're, you're, you got to watch it. You're poking fun at it. Look, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, no, I'm dude, not poking fun at it. I'm, I'm poking there's fun. no, there's no watch. difference. There's no difference between the dudes that were the cartels trying to manipulate that finance versus the drug kingpins manipulating the other finance. I have to figure um, out a way to check this show out. So I, I'm oh, like you. Nuts, I'm, I'm not much of a TV guy. And what makes it even worse for my wife and I is uh, we don't get good enough Internet where I live to even get Netflix. We have to get the DVDs mailed uh, in the in the mail. And so, yeah, so. We're like pretty primitive out here, and hopefully that's going to change in like the next year, apparently. But we'll we'll see. But anyway, we we can't stream we can't stream a bunch of videos. So we got through one episode of of uh, Tiger King, whenever. But that was all the rave earlier this year, and uh, I couldn't stand it. I thought, man, I am I'm not going to give this douchebag any more time of my life, and, and because of what we were talking about earlier, I feel like people will 
pile us into the same group as hunters as like that guy. You, you know what I mean? This weird mullet wearing country singer tiger owner guy and and like because you've, <laughs> you've all seen the negative the, the the negative connotation of hunters and they've got mullets and they're taking pictures with cigarettes in their mouths and and you know drinking beer and uh that's that's i think part of the imagery that we kind of got to get a, get away from and that's what away i grew from, up absolutely. doing you know but that's that's uh, what we got to get away from you know, that's funny because I, I started seeing that that Tiger King, like the memes and stuff on social. And I had I was like, what the hell is this? I know. Me People too, would yeah. send me and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Right. Um, and man, I I've, I haven't seen a single episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I, it's I, it's I, ludicrous. So polarized by bullshit. It's ludicrous. <laughs> don't even don't even bother. Like, it's just it, 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 it will make you question and suspicious of just mankind in general i i mean i just it, it just was disappointing that i that humans live like that and like the whole uh the whole web of these tigers zoo people they're so freaking weird and uh i just i've just never seen and i i only watched one episode and i've never seen anything like it and so don't don't bother Oh, I won't believe me. You know, <laughs> it's kind of what I said earlier, right? I mean, it's I think it was earlier this year, maybe late last year when that stuff was going all crazy. But, you know, it, it's and I hate to fall into that category of folks that say it, but it's 2020. It's a perspective thing. But, man, it's it is literally the year of rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Um it, it just everything has to be, you know, so polarized, polarizing on one side or the other. And there's no middle ground. And man, it, it's just the weirdest. It's a weird kind of time, dude. It is a strange um, time to be alive. You're you're exactly <laughs> right. I've been talking about that a little bit on my show. I feel like and I love social media and all that. You know, I, I, I like to use it. And obviously it's it's great for my show and all that kind of stuff. But. I feel like it's like the one of the root factors for all this polarization. And it's, it's like made people think that they could say things that they wouldn't say in person to each other. And, oh, it's absolutely. You know, and there's like no consequences either. And so, no, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just been a big contributor to that. To that. I, uh, you know, I have to agree, right? I mean, it's the only way that we've been able to make these connections um, on either side, right? And and what's funny is you would think, you would think that you would scrutinize who you're following or who you allow to follow you if you have a private account. But everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, I'm generalizing, blah, 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 uh, caveats there. But everybody is looking for that like or that follow so we don't filter what we're exposing ourselves to right mm -hmm. but yeah generally we are drawn to one side or the other um but it's just it's a very strange dynamic man where you know it's it's either this extreme or that extreme and this kind of filters in because i didn't you know i didn't look at this person before i decided to follow him just because it was somebody that was following me and i can up my numbers and just a, it's, it's freaking strange dude it is it's I'm, such I'm a weird dynamic like oh man i'm you like know, it's uh sheesh. i'm worried i sometimes i'm worried about like i'll post something and then You ever go hunting with somebody that always chintzes out on like the most important thing like boots? I did a couple times. 
And you know what happened? They slipped and fell down the mountain the entire month of September. That's what happens when you buy $100 boots and, and try to make them last. They don't last. Guys, Hoffman Boots, can't say enough good things about this company. It's a great family-owned business right here in North Idaho. They make badass boots. These things are insanely, insanely comfortable. They just glue your feet to the mountain in the steepest of conditions. They will keep you safer because of that. So while my buddies are falling on their butt the entire time, I'm walking down like I'm in the park. Guys, I have a great promo code that'll save you 15% if you go to HoffmanBoots.com. It is all caps lock, Huntsman 15 in the checkout when you are ready for a new pair of great boots that you won't have to replace for a very long time. Guys, Scree. Scree is extreme mountain gear. They were one of the first sponsors of this podcast. And this high-performance hunting attire and gear is its scientifically tested camo patterns, backed by a great company, and it's got a lifetime warranty, VIP sizing, and an exchange program. Basically, if you if you order it and it's the wrong size, they pay for it to get shipped back, and they're going to send it back. I heard of some dude that accidentally ripped uh, a pair of his hard scrabble pants, and he was upset about it, and he let Scree know, and they replaced them for him. Guys, this is a great company. That's the kind of company that I am proud to have supporting this show and being partnered with them uh it's just again a great company story and and, and a company that you guys would be proud to own the gear for it'll get you through any season anywhere in north america check it out at screegear.com and use the promo code the western huntsman for 15 percent off and free shipping at checkout and last but by far not least Phelps Game Calls. Guys, Phelps Game Calls, uh, you guys, if you've listened to any of these episodes, uh, as I kind of dissected my last September, I had so many bull elk encounters using these calls, and I used everything from the pink Maverick to the the pink amp to the Maverick. I used the Renegade Bugle Tube. I used a couple of their external read calls. I just had a ball calling in elk left and right, hand over fist, because these calls work. Obviously, they work well. It's not just about that, though. Guys, Jason Phelps started this company from scratch and built it into what it is now. The company, the game call company that we all know well. And I, I just, I think that that is so important. These the, these American companies that are born out of an idea and they grow into this this thing that, that we can all get behind and love and support and the, and the personalities and the people behind it, that's Phelps Game Calls. Salt of the Earth company, salt of the earth people that run it. And I can't say enough good things about Phelps Game Calls. Don't forget, it's not just about elk with Phelps. You get you a, uh, a, black ta- a blacktail in distress call and watch those deer come into you while they're rutting because it fires up those, those does. And what do you think is right behind those does during the rut? November's coming. Make sure you're getting your deer calls as well. So check it out at phelpsgamecalls.com and use the promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off at sh- uh, checkout. I keep wanting to say shipping. (laughs) That's how I roll. All right, guys. With that said, thank you to the sponsors of this show. Let's get back to the discussion. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. We'll talk to you later. Uh, I'll get off of Facebook, for example, and I'll be off for, you know, a few hours. And then I'm almost nervous to get back on to see if what, what, especially on some of my, I've done some controversial episodes, you know, and they, uh, I, I jump on there and man, I'll have like, private messages and direct messages that are just nasty as I'll get out. My inbox will start filling up. 
um, on uh, with, through my email and which is which is fine. And I don't mind debating and I don't mind having, you know, differing opinions and stuff. But people get so nasty. And I always look at like I remember. Uh, you know, 20 years ago when, uh, when I'm in the service out in North Carolina, we'd all go out to this bar and it was a super rowdy bar and there were fist fights like every time you go out there and all this stuff, they had dollar beer night. So when you don't have a lot of money, you go to dollar beer night. <laughs> and I, I, I've, I've kind of pictured it like, what if people talk to each other on social media um, what if they took that kind of tone with people in a bar like that? Like I remember, yeah. The, people wouldn't do that in, in person. No, hell no. You know, because Facebook's like being in a bar. It feels like everybody's just wasted and drunk and they'll say whatever the hell they want and there's no consequences and 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 whatever. But but can you imagine the way some people talk to uh, us or and other people on Facebook uh, if they if they translated that in, in real time in real person in, in like a bar or a restaurant or, a, you know, any kind of public gathering, uh, people be getting some black eyes, man. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, that, you know, and that's the, that's funny, too. Right. Because, you know, the, everyone everyone wants this freedom of speech with no repercussion, um, mm-hmm. but they're not going to bring it. You know, like I like to say, they're not going to bring it to my front door. Um, yeah. It just you know what I mean? It's just like, come on, man, you you don't you wouldn't have the balls to do it in front of me. You know, you wouldn't have the balls to say it in front of me. You wouldn't have the conversation like you're having it in front of me, Um, you know, and then they always revert to especially the keyboard warriors. Right. They always revert to the, you know, look at how you're acting, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're attacking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just responding, man. We're just responding. (laughs) And and that's that's another that's another issue with it. It's like, you know, just because we don't see eye to eye on something. Because we might not agree on who should be president or or this, you know, insert your your social dilemma here. And, right. uh, you know, we don't have to agree on everything to be friends. You know what I mean? And and that's where that polarization comes from. People get they take it so personal if it's crazy, if there's some kind of disagreement. Anyway, yeah, I you're getting me off on a rant again. You know, what's funny, well, let's let's draw that in. Let's let's draw hunting into it. Right. Because, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric around us. And as hunters, you know, we another generalization. So people don't want to, you know, say, what are you talking about? Um, Don't assume anybody's gender. Yeah, we act like we're we're not uh, we're impervious to it. Right. We we, it's we're not that way. that we can avoid, you know, the air quote brainwash. Uh, yeah. But we divide into sex, though we're seen as one from the outsiders, right? So, you know, cliche as hell, but but we'll fall in a divide, um, and and because we, you know, one guy hunts this way, or you know, he uses he doesn't like you know long range this, or wants to shoot a six five, you know, like Dirk said. I don't know why everybody has a problem with six five Creedmoor on his post today. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you got twenty guys that'll say, you know, oh, that six five is a piece of trash. But we'll divide ourselves and act like we're impervious to all this bullshit. Argue about camos and talk mess about you know, and and some of it's fun banter, right? Going back and forth. Yeah. Um, There's a difference between attacking people and then enjoying some rivalry and 
And, and you're exactly right. And I've said this for a long time. I think the the biggest detriment to hunters, the downfall to hunting is going to be hunters. Because, hunters, absolutely. Because they, I mean, people, I don't know what it is with that 6.5 Creedmoor, but that thing has like wicked reactions. And I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Who cares? It's a freaking caliber. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a rifle or whatever. I, I well, just don't just get like it. you said, right? And it's cliche, right? But but you know, that divide is what's going to conquer us. Um, mm-hmm. That is what will be the detriment of us. And you know, I used to think that I wouldn't see it in my lifetime. I used to think that my kids would be okay, you know, if they choose to, you know, pursue hunting further down the road, you know, and when the, with grandkids, you know, that it was safe. I honestly, after seeing this shit go down in the last year, I'm like, man, we really are threatened mm-hmm. and it's happening a lot faster than I ever would have thought and assumed. I mean, we, we got wolf reintroductions, damn near all over the West going, you know, taking place. We have protection of, of mountain lions here in California. Um, you know, they, they protected them until 2025, um, saying that, you know, they, they're, uh, the potential for, you know, them being in danger, which is absolute BS. Yeah. Man. That's garbage. Um, they tried to ban any hunting on this sly little bill that they had uh, any hunting on any enclosed land. So if you had three strand high fence, it, it didn't matter. They, they were trying to get this passed under the guise of uh, we're going to give you a, a, a permit that'll last you for as many pigs as you want. Um, but then you read into the fine print and it was, it was an all out ban on hunting, you know, fenced or boundary land that has a physical boundary. That's nuts. Um, that was put in. Yeah. So <clears throat> my point is here we are arguing over BS thinking that we're impervious to, you know, the, the way, you know, we criticize folks for being so polarized on one side, but here we're doing it. And, and we're, we're, we are our own worst enemy. Like you're saying, we're, we're going to be the detriment uh, if it's not just fun banter, but there's bands of people that are serious about it, you know? Yeah. I actually first noticed it years ago when I got into fly fishing and uh, I, I, I didn't know that these like super purist elite fly fisher types were so opinionated about every other type of fishing out there. Cause I, I do all sorts of fishing. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not picky. If I can catch a fish, I'll do it. And it's legal. I'll do it. And, and, but I, I do love fly fishing and I'm really good at it. And so I really enjoy it. But I, I, I strike up conversations with these purest fly fishermen that just talk so much smack about other fishermen. And it's like, what, who are you to judge somebody if they want to use a night crawler? Like this is, this is the stuff. And then you translate that into the hunting world where you could really micro break that down. You know, you got, you got, and, and I know I've talked about this a lot lately, but uh, you've got a lot of, you've got hunters in general, and then you break it down to archery hunters and I'm a big time archery hunter, uh, but but within the archery hunting community, you have like your trad bow guys, you have your compound bow guys, and and they, they start kind of bickering, and and it just it it goes into like all these different levels, and and I have just got the opinion that 
we're all hunters and we, we kind of have the same goal and, and we have the same pursuit in our, in our lifestyle and in our traditions. And, and we don't need to have like these, uh, we don't need to brand everybody. I mean, we hear enough of that from Hollywood and, and, and the media and everybody's got to have some kind of brand that they belong to. And, we just don't need that in the hunting community. And I think people do need to calm down and, and just understand that if, if we're, if we're all divided, we're going to lose our public land. We're going to lose our right to hunt. We're going to, the, the animals aren't going to be managed appropriately. Uh, we're going to have ballot box management for our wildlife and that's going to degrade our public land and, and the wolves are going to kill everything. All this, all these things that can happen. It doesn't have to be like a legislator coming out and saying, Oh, we're banning hunting in California, or we're going to ban hunting, uh, in the United, in the United States. That, that is, is very unlikely in, in our life. But what is likely is we get split and divided so much that you know we get taken down by ballot box initiatives and and public land loss and and all these things because the groups that are against us are united and we are not and that's what's got to change so the here's here's how i see it right like you know this colorado thing the mountain lion thing here in california is as i think that's calculated actions man um mm-hmm. you know if we can't ban hunting we sure can affect the availability of you know the the prey species right um most of our ungulates, right, are going to be hugely impacted by Colorado. I look at how Idaho, you guys have been dealing with the wolves for a while. I think that that is all calculated action to limit hunting, right? If you get an area and the herd numbers decline so badly, what are they going to do? They're not going to allow us to keep hunting it or they're going to limit the numbers. So then when people aren't able to get the tags they want or access to these areas or the game is, you know, they're not filling the freezer, you're more likely to see people falling off yeah um and as we age right it's it's harder than hell to get the next generation right our you know air quotes millennials um especially the liberal ones to even consider something like hunting yeah so we're already hurting with you know the 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 future of it it's already in shambles and they're already attacking us i mean we're not going to get the stuff that they put in place back colorado's going to struggle i know you guys had to bring folks in from alaska to even you know get folks familiar with trapping the wolves because they're so you know such a sly creature yeah and Um, and that's what people i i want people to understand too with that like i i i agree with you there is like there was like this systematic plan for for the wolves and the reason i say that uh but let me start by saying i don't hate wolves i think they're actually super cool to have on the landscape they they really are a neat animal um but they're a dangerous animal. They're a dangerous animal to our wildlife in general. All species suffer because of wolves being there. And so that's why I feel like there was a systematic, uh, you know, this takedown and it has affected. I know a lot of guys that tell me, yeah, I used to hunt until they released wolves. And now I don't, I don't hunt elk anymore because there's, there's no elk left in the, in the area I used to hunt. And, and there's some, and sometimes guys like to exaggerate that and, you know, more what I think happens a lot is they refuse to leave. Uh, but 
had a major negative impact on our elk populations. And so the point is, is we've, we've now got all these facts and all this data to show the damaging effects to all other species that the wolves have created because they've been here for, you know, 25 years. And or, or even take a look at Yellowstone and look at the 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 moose populations and the elk populations and com- compare that to uh, prior to releasing the wolf. And, and but they keep pushing this propaganda that like oh the wolves are still endangered and and they've done such great things for the ecology of Yellowstone uh, because this shrub grew back on the bank of the river and 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 whatever which most of this is just is BS and and so you. Y- you want to fall for this fantasy of having these shrubs back in the river and totally ignore the fact that the elk numbers in the in the Yellowstone National Park are so dismal that they're almost non-existent. When I was a kid, we'd go to Yellowstone and you'd see elk everywhere, man, everywhere. Now all you see is bison and everybody wants to get out and pet a bison and, and uh, get the, that, that usually leads to some comical videos. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Ignore these detrimental impacts of the wolf. And and that's why it's like there's something to what you're saying. You cannot ignore the fact populations in the moose populations have had a significant negative impact because and sit there that you're for wildlife because you're pro-wolf. It doesn't work. We have to have a balance. I love wolves too, but they need to be managed. Absolutely. And you know, it's, I, your episode that you did with, uh, with uh, Dr. Valerius guys there. Uh, I mean, you're talking a guy that, that authored the North American, conservation model right he authored that and he's saying yeah this is foolish you know i told him this was foolish there you go there's your ballot box stuff there's your touchy-feely you know wolves on the landscape the guy authored it he was enough to do that but they're not going to listen to his opinion um when it's you know these reintroductions with with zero to no management it's just because it's foolish man because his opinions are are not some um product of his emotional stance or his emotional uh, state of mind. These opinions developed out of decades of research and science. And that's why he has that, that opinion. That's why he holds those opinions. And he backs it up with actual factual data that shows uh, the, the negative impacts. But he, he gets so frustrated because everybody that's, that's on the other side of that aisle is they're so emotionally based they're, they're, they don't have facts. They don't have data. They don't have evidence. They they just have their fantasy of wolves are so cute and cuddly and great and uh, should be everywhere and and wildlife shouldn't be managed at all. They should just let Mother Nature take care of it and all these things that just have been proven time and again not to work. Uh, but I, I will tell you on like a side note with uh, that particular episode with Dr. Geist. I don't know that I have ever felt dumber after talking to somebody than that. <laughs> that guy was smart. I, I, I like yeah. he was using words. I, I, I didn't even I couldn't even keep up with him. I'm like, what does that mean, man? Like, I, what are you what are you talking about? That's that's crazy. He's he was so smart and so passionate about it. I loved it. It, it was funny to me, and I don't mean any disrespect, right? But you you know you'd give a 
you'd give a little, you know, this is, this is Jim's experience. You know, I saw this and boy, oh boy, every single time he'd hit you and he'd be like, oh yeah, I documented that. And I'm like, well, she's <laughs> Jim, Jim ain't sharing nothing. Jeez, man. <laughs> he like, had everything. When he, when he, <laughs> he had everything documented, <laughs> when he clips his big toenail, that, that clip yeah. toenail is smarter than I am. That's how I felt when I got off the phone with him. <laughs> oh man. It was, uh. I think you, I thought it was a good, I thought you, you hosted it well. Um, I, I never, I never felt like you were outgunned in it. Um, Man, I did, you know, I appreciate he, that, but I nah, did. <laughs> he, I, I think you did really well. Right. Cause what do you do with a guy that, that has that many years under his belt? Um, uh, that's his life, his livelihood. He's that, you know, he's not well researched. He's doing the, he, he the is gathering. The research. Yeah. He is. The he, guy exactly. Yeah. So, so how, how can you not, you know, I don't, and I don't think you took a back seat, but how can you not kind of ride side saddle with, you know, with him given his, uh, given his take, I thought you did good, man. It was a, it was a good inter, uh, a good episode to listen to. Well, I, and then I you were able to break that. some things down that, you know, that some folks may have not understood and, and give kind of our perspective on it. I thought it was good, man. Man, I, uh, I, I learned a lot from that episode. He, he, he's, uh, he's interested in people learning. He doesn't just want to talk at people. He actually wants them to learn. And I, I really liked what he talked about with the mule deer and the way that how they can cohabitate with whitetail. And because that's a, big issue in my area this this area that i live used to have tons of big mule deer and 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 now it's just full of whitetail and i love whitetails too but uh not at the expense of of uh, the mule deer pushed out and so i actually passed on a uh on a he was like a three by four buck mule deer this year because it's one of those areas where the there's a pretty heavy whitetail population and based on what dr geist said um, that buck that I could have shot that, and this was only like three weeks ago, um, will be the buck next year that will protect the, the, uh, mule deer does from the big whitetails. And so I'm like, and then come to find out uh, this dude, I know that I gave him, uh, I gave him this area to hunt, which was a huge mistake. And he goes up there and I'm pretty sure he shot that thing. Uh, I'm not sure. That's the hard part. But that see, that's the hard part. And 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 that there there goes that being a good podcast episode and something good to listen to. And it says a lot for your, you know, for the most part, we go by a tag, right? We're we're passive conservationists. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you had that information and you made a decision that that hey, okay, this is what I learned, and now I'm gonna take this into the field. I think that's a huge statement. Uh one to hunters, but to you, because who's going to pass the three by four muley? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's yeah. not an easy, it's not an easy game. Prior to that episode with Dr. Geist and, and no, I, I already, I already knew that we were suffering with our, our mule deer numbers, but prior to that episode, I would have smoked that mule deer. Uh, because in this, that particular unit, they just really don't get much bigger than that guy. Um, they don't, they, we don't get these big monsters up, you know, mule deer up in the panhandle of Idaho. They just, they, I don't know what, what the deal is. They just don't get that big. So you now Idaho has some big mule deer, uh, just not this far North. So 
Uh, or, or you can go further north than where I was hunting and you can actually find some big ones in some of the higher country. But anyway, point being, yeah, I, before that, before I did that episode, I would have totally smoked that, that buck and, uh, and been done with it, man. Um, and so it just, I just take, I, I do take this stuff serious and I, I want the mule deer to thrive. I, I got a thing for mule deer, man. Who does it? <laughs> you know, they, I know guys actually... that don't, I, I know guys that they talk smack about mule deer. One guy calls him, uh, he calls him the, the gray donkey or something like that. He's, I wouldn't shoot one of those stinky gray donkeys if my life depended on it and doesn't like the taste. And I'm like, well, are you kidding, man? There's nothing better than a high country mule deer. Yeah. Oh man. I hear it all the time with, you know, people going, ah, you like the way it tastes. I'm like, man, this is, this is grub. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm good with it. Lip smacking good. Yeah. So how do we, how do we get, how do we get that kind of action, right? Spread that message and get that kind of action to conservation as hunters, right? When you hear something like that and you take action on it, I mean, that's a huge impact. Now, how do we how do we get that out enough to where we're not looking to buy a twenty five dollar T-shirt um, and say I supported X, Y, Z? Uh, yeah, because I got a T-shirt. You know what I mean? Like, how do we how do we impact and affect conservation in a way that we are out there making decisions like that and damn that's hard it is that's right it's so hard man people are so set in their ways they're so stubborn and and they're so um especially when they get a little long in the tooth like i am and and you know guys like us that uh i think that the the only answer that i could give that might have some hope uh, from, from that standpoint is, you know, doing what you and I are doing with these shows and just providing this constant drip of information that when I was growing up as a hunter, uh, you know, I, I've been hunting all my life. I did not have this information at my fingertips. We didn't have internet. We didn't have podcasts. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have any of this. And, and so back then I feel like the hunting mentors that were around, like my dad and I had a grandpa and, and uncles and, and family friends that would take us out. They didn't do a super great job at talking about the hunting ethics side of it, the, the ethical side of hunting and the learning experience of it in terms of knowing why, you know, for example, mule deer and, and white-tailed deer struggle to coexist uh, in, in certain habitats and all, all that kind of stuff. And so I think that just by having, you know, conversations like these and um, getting involved as much as we can with, uh, w- with foundations that actually have people that as a day job do this for a living, supporting those kind of groups, because the, 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 the other side to that, the, the anti-hunting community, they have full-time attorneys and people that, that are pushing this stuff every single day. They have marketing oh, professionals. They're political powerhouses. Yeah, they are, yeah they're political powerhouses. very much political powerhouses. And so I, it's got to just be this slow drip of information. And, and, and my hope is, is hunters get involved and hunters, they, they get a sense of a responsibility uh, to, to help with these things beyond just buying a tag or a t-shirt, like you were saying, because it used to be just buying the tag. You can say, I'm, I'm a conservationist because I bought a, a $35 deer tag and and whatnot. And I'm not discounting that, but I feel like it's, we're at a point 
in 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 the world of hunting the way it is now in North America, uh, and this speaks to to our friends in Canada too. Um, we're at a point where we probably I feel like need to ask a little bit more out of hunters. Uh, Absolutely. And then what? It's not. It's just not like it was. No, and, and and it's not a time where being passive about it is gone, right? And that's what I said, right? The passive conservationist that that's gone, you know. And and it's everything we do is going to affect how we continue to do it, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, and and I don't know that people really, you know, I know people don't realize it. Uh, we go to the woods now. And dude, I'm picking up trash every single time, right? Oh, Elk season, oh man. man. I drive me crazy. Dude, it's, it's like something it, it, in my head. It speaks volumes, right? And I don't care if it's one guy, ten guys, but if you got a group of us together in a room and said, "How much trash did you pick up?" It's astounding, right? Uh huh. It, it's every one of us, but but to see that, I know we're not we're not paying attention to it. We, you know, it's man. like, dude, if you if it was okay for you. And, and for me, I'm anal. I don't care if, you know, I got to get in the med kit to get, you know, that little tear open packet of aspirin out because I got a headache or something. It's going back in the bag. And, I, man, dude, you would be a – you shocked to see how much of those you find laying around the woods. And it's small stuff like that. It's like – We need we need more uh, people like you, man. We Like that – That I, I tell you what, I'm going to have – about that. I'm going to have a heart attack <laughs> over – the way hunters treat the woods sometimes. I so this last September, um, I'm up and my my brother-in-law and I are are hunting elk, and we get this response with a bugle. And I was pretty suspicious they were hunters, and and the way that they were moving, I was like, okay, those are those are hunters, uh, but they wouldn't stop bugling, so they didn't know that I was a hunter. And so I I told my brother-in-law, I'm I'm like screw it, man. Let's, let's call them in. So I did, I, I man, I was ripping chuckles and bugles and just going nuts. And I, I called them right to us and they came in and you should have seen the looks on their faces too. And they, they come through the brush and see me and uh, my brother-in-law standing there. They, they I've, I, that, that look of disappointment, you know, they're like, Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like guys, that's not how it works. You don't anyway. Um, we get to talking to these guys and, and they're, they were really cool guys. They were younger guys, probably, you know, mid late twenties. Uh, they were super pumped to be up hunting. Uh, they seemed like they were having a great time. They were decent callers and, uh, they, they were just kind of those, those you'd think representative wise would represent the hunting community in, in this real positive way. And I was, I was pretty excited to, 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 you know, talk to those guys and share our experiences, what, what we've been doing and, and whatnot. And they told me where they were camped, and uh, the area this that this was taking place, I know it very well. I've been hunting up there for years. I know all the camp spots. I know all the you know whatever, and and you, everybody just kind of camps down on the river, and then they hunt the higher country around it, you know. And and so they told me where they were hunting, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, if if I'm driving by there, I'll swing in, and maybe we can crack a beer, and and. Uh, you know, whatever. And, and they're like, okay, well, we're, we don't know when we're leaving yet. It's real weather dependent. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll check on you like tomorrow or whatever. I pulled into their camp. Uh, the, well, I drove by that camp that night and I saw where their tent was and they explained what their tent looked like and all that. And then the next day I, I had, I threw some beers in the cooler in the back of my truck and was driving it up there. I was going to go see how their, their morning hunt went. And, uh, cause this, we're not backcountry hunting up there. It's, it's, uh, it's all base camp, you know, and, um, 
I pull in there. They were gone, packed up, but they left beer cans and bottles and garbage all over this camp spot. And I was freaking livid I because I did not expect that from those guys. And and to, to people listening that don't know this, metal doesn't really burn. You can't leave your, your cans and and pork and bean cans in the fire pit and and you know clean that shit up and take it home that that stuff it just makes my blood boil and i was so disappointed that these young dudes did that and i i just wish i can come across them again so that i can explain to them that you know you guys you don't understand when you do something like that that creates this domino effect of people who think that uh you know, they shouldn't have any human encroachment into the woods and, and uh, they'll shut down this national forest thing that we cherish so much, this public land thing. They will shut this down over things like that. So give them a reason. Yeah. You're just giving them a reason. So it's, it, it was super frustrating, man. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. I, you know, I'm, I may be extreme, but like, you know, if you, if you got a fire ring, I won't even, you know, you sit there, you make a fire ring, dude, I dismantle it. Um, yeah. I, I, my opinion of it is right. And it's a camp spot. People know that people have been there. Um, but I want to try and leave and it sounds cliche, but I want to try and leave it better than I found it. And, and for me, you know, dismantling my firing is part of that. Yeah. Um, and then those damn monument things, man, when they stack the rocks on top of each other, I know what a- that shit drives me Great, dude! I kick them down. I'm sorry. What is the point of that? <laughs> what What is the point of those I, monument things they make? I've never exactly, understood exactly. I know that boots have walked where I'm walking most times, but I want to feel like no one's been there at least for a while. Oh, right? I know. I, I don't want to see them damn thing. I love that you know? feeling, man. I love the feeling when I'm in this basin or a drainage, and I feel like I am the first man to ever walk through that area. You know what I mean? And and, and I know, I know in most cases I'm not, there is one area that I've hunted in Idaho where I feel like this particular place I went, there's a chance. There's like this very small chance. I might've been the first human to walk through there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, but, but to have someone else walk in behind you and have that same feeling or that same experience Mm -hmm. to me, it's important for me. That Super that's important. part of hunting. You know what I mean? To to get be in God's country and know that it's God's country and I don't have to look at these G D little monument things there. It's, it's right. I know. Me. I know. <laughs> Call it a weird quirk, man, but that I hate them damn things. I'd rather pick up your trash than kick those things down or see them. Uh it just uh, that a lot of that stuff, the the trash, man, that just drives me to drinking. I I can't handle it, especially um I, well, I hate to say especially, but it is even worse when you're in the backcountry and somebody leaves like an empty mountain house and all the garbage or uh, throws a – I don't know who the hell packs cans of beer, by the way, that far into the back. Oh, I, I find cans of beer – There's in, a lot like, of people, buddy. <laughs> like, you're taking that much weight that far from the road. It's, it's nuts, but I guess a lot of people do well, do that. Uh, the worst part of it is they took that much weight in, but aren't willing to bring a fraction of the weight back out. I know. I mean, think about it, right? It's lighter coming out than it was going in. And if you got, if you were were blessed enough and lucky enough and skillful enough to win, you know, against your quarry there, okay, you got a heavy pack. So 
at some point, right, when it's one quarter and some loose meat, get your fucking trash. Excuse yeah. my language. Yeah. Pick it up and pack it out. Yeah. You know, it's not that difficult. Drives me you crazy. Know, when we were hunting in, hunting in Colorado, you know, I keep a, a roll of uh, those 50-gallon bags for uh-huh. our trash, right? Man, we – the one day – and I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, right? I, I probably had – no, it's not an exaggeration. Probably like two grocery store bags full of, you know, air quote wood trash. Mm. Um, and some dude left. There was like a Arizona, like he stopped at the the uh, gas station mart, you know, on his way out to the woods. There was like an Arizona uh, cup of, you know, the, Those- the old peel lids, a cup of fruit. Yeah. Oh, uh, the fruit. Pepsi. Okay. Yeah, half a drink Pepsi and just a bunch of stuff and then a big Tupperware bowl. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, you let, you're gonna get in trouble. Like you didn't even care that much that your wife's gonna jump you for leaving her Tupperware in the woods. And yeah, it was just the weirdest find. Nuts. And it was just like, man, yeah. I, I I don't know. That's just lack of giving any kind of, you know, shit. Yeah, they don't give just a shit. Leave it there like that. Like like that stuff that stuff way. doesn't go away. I find I found a vintage Budweiser can that had to be from the nineteen sixties because I actually looked it up on the internet. I carried it off the mountain. I, I should post a picture of it. It's old, old, old. And so I'm looking at I don't know if it was 60s or early 70s or whatever. Either way, we're talking like 50 years ago. That can is still sitting there, and it's really not that in that bad of shape. This is a place it's that identifiable. gets four or five feet of snow every year. Um, but anyway, that, it, yeah, that's that. Th- these are the frustrating parts of, of being a hunter, and and this is where what we were talking about when we we do need to ask hunters that we need to step it up a little bit. We gotta we gotta pack our trash. I don't even leave my shell on the ground when I'm rifle hunting, uh, and and the the expectation of or or, or I, so to speak the, the the misconception that that just buying a tag these days is enough for for our lifestyle to continue on is is really no, not realistic it. yeah it's not realistic nope. anymore we've we've got to do no, more near it. and when i say do more it's it's get involved with like foundations and get involved become a board member of of an association that's that's important to you whether it's mule deer foundation or or uh you know be on a the chapter volunteer at, at the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or uh, donate money, donate time, do do what you can. It's not that big of a chunk of time out of your life to do these little steps that, that will go a long way. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's an interesting topic, right? Um, and, and there was a point in time where, you know, you supported what you thought was the best. Uh, but there's a uh, that's some touchy ground, man, because there's there's some organizations that have come under fire as of late that uh, might not, you know, might not be spending that money where they say they're spending it or utilizing it to the fullest. Um, so I think that's where a lot of people and I'm making assumption there um, where the problem is. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. OK, you know what? Where is it really going? You know, um, and then a lot of it like here in California, right? You got chapters of organizations that this, you know, whoever the members are in the state, that's where the funding comes from for that state, for that organization. Um, Yeah. If you look at California, you're like, okay, well, what are you doing? Right. What, what are you, what are you doing? Cause I'm losing this. I'm losing that. Um, I'm, I'm not really seeing it or, you know, do we even know that that money's going? So I think there's a dilemma there with, 
how upfront and honest and open, you know, organizations are about it and, and what they're telling us. I think there's some scrutiny that needs to be had. Um, and we have to watch it as hunter. My point is we have to watch it as hunters and make sure that we are supporting an organization that truly has, um, the wildlife in, in mind, but our backs too. Um, yeah, for sure, man. I, I think that there's, there's times that I have organizations, they send me just, a um, an ungodly amount of marketing material through, you know, the old fashioned snail mail. And, and it's like, sometimes I wonder, it's like, that's like the fifth or sixth time I've received this big packet of stuff from you guys. I feel like my money would be better spent on improving habitat or, or reintroducing species in certain areas, you know, whatever, whatever the initiative is for, uh, you, you know, that year or whatever. But, and so I agree. I personally, I prefer the smaller, uh, more local organizations over some of the big national ones. I think that there's a lot more, um, scrutiny and focus on those ones. Uh, but, but sometimes those big national ones also make the biggest difference because they have the funding. And so I think where, where I, I, I don't disagree with that notion at all. They, we, they do need to be scrutinized and we do need to know where that money is being spent. And, um, you know, that, that part's very important. Uh, but I also see a lot of importance in some of these associated employees because we need people that are full time. Um, we need, we need these people that are at the cutting edge of everything that's going on. They're on top of legislative issues. They're on top of habitat issues, wildlife, public land stuff. So those associations that have these full-time people that are going to bat for us, as long as they truly are, like you were saying, um, that is what's going to help us combat some of these anti-hunting, anti-public land, anti, cause there's a lot more up against hunting than just the anti-hunting community. Right. I mean, I mean, the, the, the folks that want to snatch up public land and make a huge profit on it are a huge, huge threat. In fact, I'd even say they're a bigger threat than the anti-hunting group. But um, they, you can rest assured, have full-time people staffed and ready to go to battle against us. And so that's why I, I like having these organizations that that have that as well. So, um, yeah, for sure. Well, you- you know what? Uh, you, you brought up that privatization. Check that. Oh, you can't. Damn it. Netflix. Um, I'll try and watch it and maybe like screen record it and send you the little snippets. But there uh, it was back in uh, Maine and they're talking about, you know, the fisheries there and the push to privatize uh, the ocean fisheries. And those guys are getting their butt kicks by big money, by big finance. You know, these corporations that they're literally trying to privatize the ocean. Uh, that's so it's not stupid, it, man. Yes, Jeez. it's everywhere, dude. It's, you know, that that industry is suffering for the little guy. I mean, they're, they're pretty much wiped out. Uh, harbors that had 1,500 boats or, you know, 100, 120 boats now. Mm-hmm. Uh, generations of fishermen that, that, that barely can survive with it. Um so that's already happening there. If if we if the animals we pursued were such a commodity, we'd already be feeling it like them um, for sure. But that, you know, they're going to figure out a way to use that land uh, for whatever their whatever that reason is. Uh, and yeah, I and, agree. And, man. and I, one I, approach that Dr. Geist was even talking about that, that I always I if, if I have an opportunity to share this information, I want to. But one of the issues with unmanaged wolves is there. It is not in question 
whether or not these wolves will wipe out ungulate populations. They do. That is not that is not a question anymore. That that's that's what will happen if these wolves are left unchecked. And what is the result of that? Wildlife that no longer exists on our public lands. What makes our public land worth anything? The wildlife. So if that wildlife is no longer on our public land, because once the prey base is killed off, the wolves will die off too if they've got nothing to eat, right? So when 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 the wildlife is so heavily depleted on these public lands, the the federal government's going to look at that and be like, well, they're not worth anything. Nobody goes hunting anymore and buys tags. Um, I hate to say that money is the root of all this, but money is the root of all this. And so if if, if there's if there's nothing left to hunt, people won't buy tags. And not to say that hunters are the only people that use the the, the public land systems, because we're certainly not. But that that is going to be a huge uh, that's a huge factor for the states. This uh, well, the federal government owns all this land, but we make a lot of money from tags as a state uh as an agency and well now we're not making that money and why are we letting the federal government control these lands when we could take them over and sell them to private organizations like the wilkes brothers and they come in with their billions of dollars and bam we could we could buy new school buses for all our school districts and and that that land is gone and hunting is a is a thing of the past other than on private ranches that's it. I mean, that was exactly what I was saying. It's uh, to me, it's all calculated, man. I, I think that it's a, uh, it sounds, you know, foil hat conspiracy, but I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's calculated, you know, I think so we're, too. we're watching it happen. We're watching it happen in front of our eyes. Yep. It is. Yeah. It's scary. So I got a, it's I got scary. a, I got a question for you kind of off, off topic here, just kind of shifting gears. What, Shoot. what made you want to start a podcast? i'm I'm tiptoeing so i was listening to podcasts and i'm going this is great right it's it's great to hear these big names if you will or these you know these flashy stories if you will yeah but there's so there's so many more stories um you, you talk to somebody if you go to a trade show or something and you talk to somebody or just you know in in you know a sportsman's warehouse or whatever and you talk to somebody about hunting and you you know you start sharing this conversation and you you both light up right and and you know you're lighting up from their conversation and they're telling you about a hunt and vice versa and it was it was to the point where it's like man you know i want to hear more than these 10 stories i want to how can i how can i hear this how can i live this all the time how can i be a part of this um you know yeah I'm in California, man. I don't, there's not much contact with hunters. Right. Um, so that was part of it. And it was just like, okay, how, how can I, how can I do this? You know? And I was like, well, I'm going to just, I'm going to just start reaching out to folks, you know, and, and Instagram being what it is. And, you know, I'm looking and I follow people and I'm not the, just follow you back. Right. Like if I get, you know, if someone follows you or something, I, I literally go through and I look and say, Oh, this is cool. This is, you know, this represents us in a good light. And there's some, you make some bad choices, but yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I just started going through there and there was people that I was intrigued with their pursuit, their mindset, um, you know, where they hunted, things of that nature. And, and I was just started reaching out going, all right, this is cool. Um, this is really freaking yeah. cool. And the the more I did it, the more it was just like, you know, I find so much value 
in just the everyday story. Um, not to say that there's not value in, you know, getting getting those tips, tactics, pointers from the guys that are just, you know, straight killers. There's a lot of there's a lot of folks that are just monsters on the mountain that are, you know, that you, semi never, even, that you never even hear about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's and that's that's where to me, that's where the story was at. Right. It, it was more relatable to my pursuit um, than the others. Yeah. You know, I, I, I you know, I can't I'm not going and you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I'm not going and, and you know, getting governor tags and things of that nature not to say that's what everybody does but just you know to drive my point home the everyday stories is really what intrigues me and that's why i I mean that's the main reason i started it was to share those to share the the values of hunting more so you know the big you know the big the beautiful grip and grins because there's a lot of them that exist dude and and Um, yeah i think that I think you and I are a lot alike, man. I, I think we see the value in the greater story. We we have we have a lot of these celebrity type kind of hunters out there, and they're always fun to get on the show, right? And and they always have a lot of good tips and tactics and all that kind of stuff. But man, sometimes sometimes you get some serious nuggets out of out of these dudes that don't even know what Instagram is. And, and that's, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of what I wanted to do and I haven't been that great at it. I, I, I just, I get, uh, I get a lot of random guests and, and they're all good. I love, I love all of them. And, uh, but my, my goal was to actually interview a lot of people that nobody knew. And, and I, I kind of want to, I want to get back to that, uh, at some point here with, because I, I think that they have, the perspective that most hunters have, and that is a perspective that is widely known and should be exploited to protect our way of life. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you expose those values and the other sides of hunting. Um, you know, a lot of those folks, man, they're hunting on the weekend. Yeah. You know, they're not five, 10, you know, 15 days out. Um, like, you know, some folks and, and nothing, nothing wrong with it. You know, I give it to the guys that have figured out how to live it day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm huge on that. Right. Um, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where, you know, we get in these, we get in these arguments, this negative rhetoric about someone's pursuit. Um, and we want to take away, you know, because a guy had the governor tag or because a guy hunted on a big ranch. Um, yeah, but you can't knock, you can't knock the grind. These dudes and women for that matter have have figured out how to do it mm-hmm. uh, so i'll never take that away but man to to tap into some of the values um you know my 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 friends the Redarafs, uh kristen and brady um you know they are they are living breathing proof of in my opinion of the hunting lifestyle right yeah their their family values and i just just impeccable people man like you can't you can't hold a match to some of these folks that we talk to it's just that's uh, been phenomenal that's been one of the most surprising things with me doing a podcast is my level of how impressed i've been with the quality of people that are out there in the hunting community like the dude that's what i said earlier yeah there, there's, there's no, just look at the values the values the, <laughs> yeah. the integrity the motivation the commitment all these things that i i feel like so many other people that i, I don't know 
I don't know how to, I don't know know how to word that, but people that may not hunt (laughs) may need to take lesson from. And and I think that a lot of that has to do with how uh, deep hunters have to go into their own soul to, to be successful and, and what they have to do to achieve things and, and protect things that are just, uh, you know, this thing that is greater than us as an individual. And, and so I've just been, I, I've just been overwhelmed with my level. Of, I know we were talking smack about some of the hunters that go out there and, uh, you know, they litter, they leave trash, they uh, stack rocks, they they do all this this stuff that that we don't we don't take super kindly to. But uh, I, just from my perspective, I've just been really impressed with the 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 caliber of people in within the hunting community. And and I just I love I, I every time I record a show, I'm, I make a new friend. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's almost sometimes I think about it, right? And it's like it's almost a little weird. I know. Sometimes. Seriously. And I you know what I, mean? <laughs> I deal I deal with ten times as many people in my day job and and I've just I've I never had that level of like respect and connection and, and, and how impressed I was and all that with, within my day job, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's a whole new level in in the hunting, hunting world. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've, I've literally sat back and go, man, is this kind of weird? Like I'm so enamored with this person or that person, but I, I, you just can't help it, man. And I'm going to go back a little bit. What you were saying, you know, that, that people outside of the demographic, they could use it. And, and one of the, and I say that all the time. And one of the things that, that strikes me, um, is if you look at it, right. Hunting teaches us failure. If we don't learn anything else about the animals we pursue or about what we did, it teaches you how to fail and it's Mm -hmm. constant. And if you look around today, what, what do we all, what do most people complain about, right? Is participation flipping trophies. That's why these people don't under, in my opinion, don't understand it because they haven't, they haven't had to go and fail and fail and fail and fail and keep fighting for something. They're getting handed a flipping participation trophy or a pat on the back for just doing mediocre or just showing up you know what i yeah. mean yeah and it's like to me that's where one of the biggest values is that is that we are okay with with failing but we're not we're not looking at it as it, as it's adversarial it's part of the enjoyment right the part of winning that is so necessary is failure you know you know yeah, what i mean it's, it's like that's such a good point man that's such a great point i i've i've never really put it into that kind of perspective but you're you're absolutely right man and i am the epitome of what a failure, a failure? looks like i mean <laughs> i i am like the most experienced yet worst hunter you will ever meet in life. and 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 i wear that with pride i don't i don't care man. i i yeah. just i've never yeah. shot like a freaking 200 class buck or a 350 elk or a, you know all this stuff the the only thing i've ever been prolifically successful at was fly fishing and even that's questionable but uh, <laughs> so that, that's a really good way to put it is is we are prepped we are primed for failure we know how that feels and we know the work that it takes to be successful and that's not to say that I, I, and I hear these stories and it, 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 it like, I don't even know how to react to them. I hear these stories every year 
oh yeah, man, I pulled up to the trailhead and shut my door on my truck and walked 30 feet and a a bull elk was standing right there and I shot him and I pulled my my truck down closer and drug it back up to the road with a strap. And I hear this every year, man, I have never in my life been that lucky. (laughs) Never, (laughs) never has that happened to me. But so you you always have those circumstances, but for, for the most of us, I think all hunters are like this. We fail a lot more than we succeed. Hell yeah. And so success rate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That speaks volumes, man. For sure. And I, you know, it's, it's sorry. Go ahead, man. Oh no, no. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I, I have, I have major respect for the, the guys that, you know, because you know, they're out there guys and gals that get it done every year. They tag out every year. It it always comes together for them. Mm-hmm. Not me. And, and that that's, is not me. You know, <laughs> and that's to me, it, it equates to time in the woods, you know? Um, and then there's choices we make too. And that's, and that's one of the things with that failure that that's phenomenal to me is, you know, you get, you get folks that, you know, look down on, you know, we'll call it for, you know, I have to me was what it is, is trophy hunting, right? I, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a caliber of animal that I'm chasing. And I think that failure teaches you. Uh, enough to where you're like, okay, you're looking for the failure. You don't want the easy way out anymore. So you're going to upgrade, yep. right? That advancement, it, it, it just, it just adds to the person. Um, and I, I think it's a phenomenal thing to go chase, you know, the monarch, if you will, of the mountain, be it a mule deer, a white tail, or, you know, that, that what's haunting me is a damn elk, man. <laughs> but there's something about setting a standard, understanding that, you know, failure is part of, you know, the concept of what we do. It, it's, you know, at 10 percent, um, you know, you're unlikely to go do it every year in the same spot over and over and over. Um, and and yeah. if you do it yeah. for five or six years, it, it may not happen, in, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth year. It's it's all in cycles. But, but, man, but I, you show I, up again every yeah. year. Yeah, every every single you know, year I, I, and i'm i'm the same way man and and i you know uh, what you said there with with the trophy i i love one of the the fa- my favorite quotes that ever came off of any of my episodes on my show came from uh, jason phelps of uh, phelps game calls and he said who the hell's that <laughs> <laughs> he said um that he is a trophy hunter with a meat hunter's heart Meaning he goes into the woods wanting the biggest bull he could find, but generally shoots the first thing that walks out with antlers. And that's how I am. You know, I, I do want that monster and I, I do pursue, uh, I'm a lot better at deer hunting than I am with, with, with elk. But, um, this year, uh, I had my girls with me. And so my priorities shifted and that's okay. That's what, you know, hunters need to be flexible with this. I, I was, I was going to pursue, this uh, this giant whitetail that I had, I, I know where he's at. I, I know what drainage he's living in. I know generally his patterns. But when my girls told me, when I asked them, if you want to go hunting with me, I will take you hunting. And, and you can come with me. Now, I'm not going to drag him up to this snowy drainage that I'm talking about where that big buck is. Uh, just because it's, it, it's, it's honestly, it's super steep and they don't have the right gear for it. Uh, so I took him out somewhere else and we got a little, little buck the other day and I'm super happy with it, you know, and, and, but it does tie into, you know, if, if we're being honest guy, I don't even know where the hell I was trying to go with this, but, um, 
I had a point, I promise. I had a direction, I had a really good <laughs> end point there. And I, I just kind of, kind of drifted off because I was thinking about uh, that buck. <laughs> well, it, and I, and I think uh, I'm making an assumption, right? Is, is we were talking about, you know, what that failure and that trophy hunting, but, but what defines the trophy, right? Yeah. In, in that instance, that trophy is, you know, your, your girls with you putting hands on that animal while, you know, the, while the body's still warm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the trophy in it, right? A huge amount of value in something like that. There's They're so experiencing much, it with you. Yeah, there's so memories. Much value. Even if, even if they forgot about it, right? In, in their teen years, you'll never forget about it. And that memory is going to come back to them, you know, as they get older and that's going to be value. I mean, is there a bigger trophy, you know, maybe a 400, a 400 inch elk, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, there's definitely a bigger trophy. There's always a bigger trophy, right? But, um, now that, that was awesome. It was awesome, man. I just, uh, I, I was able to teach him, you know, the, what my traditions are in terms of when you are successful, how I respect that animal. And I give thanks for that animal. And, and they, they learned that. And I, I taught them what not to do to that, that would be disrespectful towards the animal. They, they, dude, my, my nine-year-old can, she can blood trail a deer or an elk. Like, like she is a freaking Comanche, man. She's awesome. And, <laughs> yeah, I saw you post that. Yeah. So she can get it. Yeah. She, and she does. She, she found the deer that we got last, last week. And, um, she just does a, did a great job and, and both of them did, both of them did actually. I, yeah. The, the, my nine-year-old, she tracked it, but uh, it was my 11-year-old that actually spotted it first. So I got to give credit where mm-hmm. credit's due. Right. <laughs> that uh so you brought something up there um you know showing respect for that animal right and and i think there's a, a, a dichotomy if you will in that right what what's your opinion of of you know the famous grip and grin man with the tongue out with blood everywhere um how, how do you feel that that affects us with you know with social media right and the attacks we're under um is there any importance for us to clean that stuff up or, and present that animal in the best light you know i I'm actually glad you brought that up because I I did post a grip and grin with this buck with my girls and I did not clean I, I didn't cut the tongue off I didn't clean the blood off I was I was just overly excited about having them there for that experience that I failed my own perspective and my opinion on that because I do think that we need to clean those pictures up some people post some really tasteful pictures that make it look like they're just about, you know, cuddling up with that animal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then there's, there's others that, uh, you know, it looks like a freaking bloodbath. Like they, they put that animal in a headlock and slit its throat with a pocket knife and let it bleed out until it passed over and fell over and they took a picture, you, you know? And, and I think that there is this balance that, that does it just for the sake of, of the fact that we all like to share these on social media. And, and I failed in my own opinion a week ago when I put, po- cause I did, I posted that picture on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and, and it was like, I was so excited about it and my girls were involved and, and I, I put it out there and then I'm looking at it after I posted it. And I'm like, geez, man, there's a bloody tongue hanging out of it. I should have cut that off. Uh, I should have cleaned him up. I had wet wipes right there. I could have cleaned the animal up. Um, and, and I think that that is important and, and I'm going to heed my, 
my own advice in the future because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I usually do clean the animals up. Um, but in this case, I didn't last week. And I, I think that that does put off the wrong message. And nothing makes me cringe more than when when you get some of these pictures that people post. Again, it looks like a bloodbath. They're, they're like, they've got a cigarette in their mouth. That one, for some reason, just rubs me the wrong way uh, because it, it portrays us like we're a bunch of Joe Dirt sons of bitches out there that hate animals. And, and uh, look, I've got my, my beer and my, my cigarette and a bloody animal in front of me. And that, that sends the wrong message. Um, and what? that gives, so that's that gives was, the anti-hunters sorry. ammo. Go ahead. What was that? Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's why I was saying there's, you know, a dichotomy, if you will, because there's a there's a group and it's more than just a divide. So maybe the wrong word, but, you know, there's a group of us that that, you know, think that that blood should be cleaned up, you know, throw some dirt on it, rub it, whatever. Just, you know, drown out the blood a little bit, you know, cut the tongue off. Take a wet wipe. It Um, comes right off. Yeah. And then there's those that don't even think about it. And then there's those that are, you know, just, hey, screw it. I do what I do. I'm posting it. I don't care about the Annie's. And that's why I was asking, because it's interesting, ties back into our earlier conversation, in my opinion, about how how that opinion is and what's working against us and the things that, you know, this is one of the things, in my opinion, that we should be doing uh, is displaying it in those different lights. Yeah. And I I don't want to pick on people that maybe maybe they just don't realize uh, because to, you know, you got to look at it from this perspective. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm now officially in my forties. When I was a kid, when we'd go hunting, we were, you know, all the, all the grown dudes that I was hunting with, they always had a beer. They were all smoking cigarettes and they, we'd, we'd take a Polaroid camera out and, and snap these pictures of, of these deer and they were covered in blood and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of people, I think they don't, you know, that's what we know. That's what we we've known growing up. And so, but nowadays things are different. Now we have uh, an ever-growing anti-hunting movement, and and we have this the social media platforms that y- these pictures get seen by instead of you know uh, ten people at Thanksgiving, ten people, yeah, they, they're seen by thousands. And, thousands, and so that's yep. I think where uh, you know there just needs to be an understanding. I personally I can care less if somebody cuts the tongue off or, and cleans the deer up. But I happen to know that like I have a family friend from from. Uh, you know, who's friends with my mom from years ago. And those kind of pictures infuriate her because she doesn't understand hunting at all. And she's not like anti-hunting, but she doesn't want anything to do with it. And so when she sees a picture like that, it's kind of offensive to her. And and we can have the attitude of, well, screw them. I'm going to, this is my life. This is my, uh, how I want to live and how I want to portray it and in your face and blah, blah, blah. You can take that route or you can, you know, do better with, uh, you know, I, again, you know, do we need to clean up the deer completely or the elk or, or whatever? But no, I don't think so. But just a, a, a bit cleaner, maybe not the tongue, maybe... You know, leave the leave the mullet. You know, get a haircut. No, I'm kidding about that. <laughs> you know what's fun, what's I funny is I saw a picture. <laughs> I saw a picture. Um, I want to say it was yesterday, and I, want, I can't remember the page. It was like one of those hunt meme pages, and there's a dude and he's laying there with the deer, and you know he has his tongue licking the deer's tongue. I'll see and, that. See, I think that's BS. I saw that and I was just like, you know, and, and yes, it's a meme page, but 
I think those are a detriment to us. Um, they are because it's not just our demographic seeing it. And when someone else sees it, even it being a meme, Oh, look at this is how they are, how they are how, not yeah. this guy right? we're, we're already roped into the crap. So, the the first psychological study that I could find on hunting on hunters in particular is from 1973. Okay. Mm -hmm. 1973, they started evaluating the psychology of hunters. That's as far back as I could find it. I'm sure it exists earlier than that. I haven't got that far in the one that I've been reading on more than most is as recent as 2017. And what they did is they went into social. They went and they picked out, you know, some forums and they're they're coming to their conclusions as to our mindsets based on post stories, facial expressions, um, key, you know, trigger words that we use. And, and this is how we're being lumped as a demographic. So when we. When we want to tell this great story that we understand, right, we have to understand that there's people that are and and some of these folks may not be against us, but everything I read, there is a a strong anti hunting sentiment as as much as they know that, you know, what we do, that consumptive recreation is necessary um, in conservation there's still this huge anti-hunting sentiment and they're trying to categorize us based on what we are displaying. And the reason that they're using social media and forums and things of that nature is because they feel like it's unbiased. Um, yeah. People talking unbiased, like, you know, they don't have to hold back in these forums. So as we display this to each other, they're judging us because you know, who's who's telling them they can't be in there. These are public, you know, air quote, public forums. Mm -hmm. So as we display this stuff, we're being we're being judged on, on these displays and unwittingly. But we have to understand it's it's to our detriment if they have this anti hunting sentiment. I think that they're uh, from from the hunting from from a hunter standpoint, I think that there is a serious lack of understanding as to the magnitude of the scrutiny oh. that we are under. And, and, and I, you hit, yeah. And, and so, <laughs> like that picture you were talking about, where they're sticking their tongues, he's sticking his tongue out with a with a deer tongue or whatever. That's just foul anyway. But um, first of all, that you're disrespecting that animal by doing that, and and that animal died for you. And second of all, the what do you think happens? When the secretary treasurer of PETA gets a hold of that photo or the, the marketing manager of PETA gets a hold of that photo and sends it out there and you have some lady in some big urban area that doesn't get the humor of what you're trying to trying to do there. She sees that picture. And before seeing that picture, she wasn't necessarily for hunting and she wasn't necessarily against hunting that picture in the way that like PETA is going to present it to her. She is now going to be a donor to PETA and an anti hunter. And so that is a huge, uh, I, I think that's a huge miss on Hunter's parts that that we don't we don't we don't pay enough attention to. We we have to open our eyes to that kind of stuff because we are, you know, the these numbers are all over the board. But hunters make up less than ten percent of the population in in the United States. So that's 
outnumbered. We are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. That's not to say that 90% of of Americans are are anti-hunting by any means. A lot of people, I I have a lot of friends that are, oh, I'd love to be a hunter. I'd love to go out and do that and do this. And I don't know where to get started. And and they spend their entire life um, wishing they were a hunter, but never do anything about it. Right. And, and, and that's okay. That's their decision. I'm not judging them for that. Um, but we, we do have this, this faction of America that is absolutely against it. And they're working every day to make it more difficult for us to lead our lifestyle. And so when we do stuff, and they're growing, we, they're growing, they are growing, they're growing. hunting is shrinking. <laughs> Anti-hunting is growing. And so that yeah. is enough to give me a lot of pause for concern. Uh, and, and that's, that's why, you know, my, my general feeling is just as hunters, um, we need to, we need to be more unified. We need to connect and communicate with each other better. We need to communicate our message to non-hunters better. We need to portray ourselves in a, in a, in a, I hate to use the word classy because I'm not a classy dude in any way, shape or form, but, uh, there, there is this level that I think needs to be portrayed and improved upon. Um, because we are, we are up against it. We are, we really are, we are up against it. I mean, if your thing is licking deer tongues or elk tongues after, just just do us a favor and don't and don't share that. What kind of you know what I mean? What Keep kind of it. freaky fetish is that? I've never even heard of this licking a deer tongue thing. I'll have to try it, dude. I I saw that and I was I was appalled. And I, and this this is not keyboard warrior talk. I'd punch that son of a bitch in the face if I ever saw. Him, I know, right? Yeah. Because that that is a detriment to me and to my friends and acquaintances that are hunters to you and our demographic in general, I'd punch that son of a bitch in his face. And that's not keyboard warrior talk. I will knock the shit out of you. If I see you, because that is, uh, that is like about a year. It, it, yeah. if, uh. if a bunch of, uh, fruit loop pita types were sitting around a little teeny fire, that picture is a five gallon bucket or jug of gasoline on that fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. We and and even even some of the rhetoric that that I use, I, I should probably tone it down. You know, I I because I I get fired up, man. I get I get pissed. I okay, no, I'm not going to tone it down with PETA. I'm ruthless with them. I'll stick with my my Fruit Loop uh, reference there to the PETA folks because if <laughs> actually PETA is not our issue. PETA is is everybody knows that it's. They're a bunch of unhinged, radical fanatics and, and extremists, and so. But they do raise a surprising amount of money. Uh, I was looking into that. I got I got kicked off their Facebook oh, Facebook group because I was picking on them. But, um, <laughs> but it, it's not even it's it's groups like groups that we really need to worry about are, are are like the Center for Biological Diversity. Just their name is misleading as hell. Uh, but, but they, they post, they misrepresent the wolf situation. Like you wouldn't believe it's, it's, it's absolutely mind boggling. The propaganda that is put out by these anti-hunting organizations like center for biological diversity. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, it's, we, we just, we we're up against a lot, I think is, is uh, the point I'd like to leave people with. Yeah. A whole lot. I, and, and I'll, tell you with my point is we we need to be better stewards of hunting of our passion if you truly love this lifestyle and what you do please consider how you represent it um 
And I know that there was, you know, there was a time and place where this stuff wasn't exposed um, like it is now. But we have to be cognizant of the fact that it as much as we want to be adversarial um, and don't want to bow down. We're not bowing down. We are helping this continue by being conscientious of how we display what we love. Totally agree. Yeah. Great way I mean, to put it, it just, too. You know, um, yeah, so. that's a that's a slippery slope we're on, man. It is a slippery slope. So so I I, I feel like I'm like taking up your whole night here, man. I uh, this, the, You're actually a lot of fun to talk to. We should do this more often. Let's do it, brother. We can come up with some kind of monthly or something. I enjoyed the hell out of this conversation. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, maybe we just tackle current affair or something, you know, something yeah. to see. And, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have some ideas brewing, uh, but I have I can't say them because we're on we're on the air here. But uh, I, I should get you involved with that uh, because yeah, let's go. You've, got, you've got really good perspective. And uh, I think you're you're one of those those rare ethical hunters that that actually cares about how hunting uh, you know, how, what, what the future of hunting looks like and how, how we're going to get there. Um, and, and that's, that's important. I think, I think a lot of people that uh, more people need to, to follow your lead with that. And so I appreciate, I appreciate what you do there. And I love your show, dude. I, I love your intro, man. I love your, the intro on your show. I always get so jacked oh, and you. motivated. <laughs> it's, it's got that cool music. And then you come in with this deep baritone voice. Welcome to Western Hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, just a, it's, it's a cool intro. I, I always get so psyched up. I, I, shoot me what you want, man. I'll hook you up with one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Right, do my do my Western Huntsman cameo. Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, but no, man, I I appreciate the time, man. Um, you know, when you asked me, I was like, oh shoot, you know, this is cool. This will be a great time. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, fun. Great conversation. Super um, fun. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't good for anybody else, sorry, it was good for us. Yeah. We at least we had fun, man. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's it, That's brother. right. That's that right. It, man. So I want. I want to get you back on because um, you're uh, you're a lot more of a like a gear junkie than I am. I know very little about this oh, stuff, dude. and I want to talk to you about initial ascent. Uh, I want to talk to you about some other other items that uh, I don't know much about. So we'll have to we're, we're definitely we're just going to have to do this again. Yeah, let's do it, man. Uh, don't get me going on that IA. We'd be on another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, the one thing we do we have in common is Hoffman, man. Uh, oh man, is that? Those are the, like the best dude. boots. I love these boots, dude. <laughs> like people don't know. I see, I see people on. Uh, we keep talking. We keep hammering at social media. They're talking about the Schnees and the and, and the Kenetrex and all these man. other, and they're great boots too. But you don't know what life is like. If Until you, you put your feet in them. Yeah, these Hoffmans are fantastic. I did I, t- I got to take uh, Jim Hoffman, the owner, hunting this last year. Oh, did you? No way. Yeah, Jim's yeah. A, took a, that's, we a, went, that's a good dude, man. Yeah, he's a super good dude. We we went up on yeah. a on an elk hunt back in September. We just did like a, a, a like a day up in this mm-hmm. spot, and and uh, obviously we we didn't shoot anything, but we had a great time trying. Yeah, we got a couple. We got Knowledge. a couple people out of it. Yeah, that's all, shoot, that's what matters, right? Yeah, walking yeah, out so. satisfied. And but, you yeah, know, those he, those boots are something else. I I got a pair of those boots, and he actually delivered them that day. And and that's one thing that I will say about these Hoffman boots is you do not need to worry 
about some 30 mile break in with these boots. Nope. You nope. put them on and go. Yeah. I, I'm not kidding you. You think you were roller skating up and down the mountain with these things there. I, I love these boots. I can't say enough. Yep. And this and is my second pair. It is, uh, it is surprising when you put something on like that. Right. And, and the first time I wore mine, I was going, Oh, my feet are, I'm looking at the hill and I'm going, my feet are going to kill me. Dude, we hiked that day. And I was like, you know, let's go. Yeah, yeah. My, I think we did six or seven miles. Most of it was uphill, and it was just phenomenal. I was so blown away that I mean, zero, zero need for break in. It yeah. was just unreal. There man. is no break in. I think Hoffman and no. I. I mean, we only did like four and a half miles or four miles or something like that. But like you were saying, it was nasty North Idaho, brushy, straight up, straight down kind of country, and. I, I just can't, I can't, what gets me with these boots every time is going downhill because downhill is always a challenge for me. I, I was in the Marines and the Marines really beat my knees and my ankles up and I, I get really bad arthritic, you know, kind of pain in those joints. And, um, that what, what, what gets me is a way I have to walk to keep myself from falling with my other boots that I've always had. I don't have that problem with these Hoffmans going downhill. You just walk like, like I said, like you're in the park or something and uh, I don't slip. I don't fall. They just, they just glue my feet to the mountain. I love them. Anyway, you're, you're, I get, I get super pumped about these Hoffmans. Oh man, that's a, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful boot. Yep. Yep. For <laughs> sure. Know, the, it, what's funny is, you know, our, cause our feet are so much different, right? Everybody's feet. I mean that, you know, wide, narrow, blah, 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 blah. And I've put buddies into, to five, six, 10 pair, whatever it is. And everybody has the same reaction, you know, like this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know with the toe box. I mean, everything, which ones are you running? Are you running the eight inch? Yeah, I do. The, the tens? I, I like the eight inch. Uh, which ones, uh-huh. what about you? I, I have the eight inch explorers. Yeah. That's what I've got. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was actually going to try that new summit boot they have yeah. in the six inch, but I, I, that's a good looking boot. It, it is a good looking boot, but I already knew that the eight inch Hoffman's were, uh, the, the explorers were like, uh, pretty phenomenal because I, I had a pair and I put hundreds of miles on those things. And so I stuck with that. I stuck with like the tried and true for me. But um, yeah, if anybody's out there listening that is on the fence about what kind of boots to get, uh, the, the Hoffmans will actually not cost quite as much as some of the other brands that are not as good as the Hoffman. It's it's a pretty interesting little concept. It doesn't happen yeah, very often. Boot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to get those. I was planning to get those summits um, just to just to wear them, mm-hmm. you know, just around around town kind of boot. And then I was like, oh, we got, you know, the, the Hunt Expo in February. And unfortunately, it got canceled. Heart was broken. Yeah, that sucks, um, dude. But, dude, that's a yeah, it's just a solid boot. shout out to shout out to the uh, the Hoffman family there. I mean, if you you know the whole story behind them, right? The generations yeah. of that and how they oh, started yeah. and everything. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Super Such cool. Such a cool story. too. Like Hoff, Jim Hoffman, he that guy, he's forgotten more about boots than I'll ever know. Uh, he, he's just a, he's a guru and he's passionate about them. And so I need to get a pair of insulated for wolf hunting this winter. Um, but, uh, I, I just haven't bit the bullet yet, but I will just like my initial ascent. I'm going to, I'm going to buy one of those. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of cheap, dude. I, I bought this pack a couple years ago that I've been using and, and it was an expensive pack. And, um, I, I need to, before I 
justify a, a, an in, initial ascent. Um, I have to figure out how to justify it to my wife first. So I, I tell you what, if you don't try one on then, because if you put it on, you're done. That's too late. I, I was did. in the same. I think, <laughs> I, I think Michael Batiste, we, I had Michael Batiste oh, okay. come up north and do uh-huh. this elk calling seminar a couple years ago. And he had one. And so uh, I tried his on and yeah, that was a bad idea, man. Done deal. That, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal pack system, dude. <laughs> it is. I, and, and dude, I gear junkie out. Like this has been my best year in probably 10 years as far as purchases. Um, so I've run the gamut of packs and boots and, uh, you yeah. know, it, when you, you find are, something, you are you a stick legitimate gear junkie, man. Yeah, I've 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 oh, noticed. Yeah. I've watched. I'm like, damn, he's oh, got I'm some horrible. nice gear. I'm horrible, but you know what? Okay, so there. Yeah, comfort is is a lot, right? And 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 being having things that allow you to focus on what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? It sounds cliche, like I'm, you know, but it, that's legitimately what the deal is. I'm not going to go skimp. You know, if you go and you get a pair of $50 boots or hundred dollar boots, imagine the, 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 the havoc that that's going to be on your feet. I look at that in every element of it. And then you buy something for, you know, a hundred bucks because you didn't want to spend 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, then that hundred dollar item last year, you know, maybe a season and you buy something, you know, you spend the money and you get something for $300 and it lasts you five, six seasons. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's where's cheaper. the better value over time? Yeah, it's, yeah, it so really that's kind of my mindset. I, I think I, I and I don't want to quote the prices because I don't know exactly, but the Hoffman 8 inch Explorers are somewhere around that $400 mark, somewhere around. Yep, there. just under. Yep, 483, and, I believe. Is that what it is? 483 or 383 or Somewhere yeah, around there. Sorry, sorry. It's, uh, just under. I I know the just under four hundred bucks, and the last time I I bought one of those, those suckers lasted me for five seasons, and they would have lasted longer, but I kept drying them out at night around a campfire, and and I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that, and so, yeah, yeah, totally, and and I know that now, but I I you know. I, didn't know at the time. And so I was, I, that's what I would do. I'd take them off and set them by the fire and let them, let them dry off. Otherwise I'd still be running those same ones. Uh, but, and I put my boots through hell. So, uh, yeah, just a, anyway, great gear is $50 a year. What's that? That's, that's less than $50 a year. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so worth it. It's it, the, the initial purchase stings, but, um, it's worth it. So anyway, all right, buddy. Ooh, let's let's keep in touch and uh, absolutely. I, I'd love to I'd love to get you on again and and let's do this again. So, absolutely. Cool. My pleasure, man. It was a great time. I, I appreciate the time. Yeah, for sure. And and for folks in my audience, I'm gonna I'm gonna link all of uh, all of guys' stuff in the show notes, like the his website and his podcast and all that kind kind of stuff. I'd highly recommend you check it out. It's a great show. Thanks, and the same on my end. I'll I'll be pumping this one up. Um, on your end, man. I appreciate what you're doing, the message you're spreading. Um, and then, you know, that you, you've had some guys on there that have a knowledge base that is uh, impeccable, man. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Love so, it. good deal. All right, brother. All right, brother. Thanks a bunch. We'll talk to you soon, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. See ya. Bye. You made it all the way to the end. 
thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.